A lot of men that I speak to, so not not generalizing here, but say, I don't know. If I ask a question most of the time, they'll go, I don't know. I don't, when was the last time you were happy? I don't know. Stop fucking saying that. That's a lazy man's option. We don't want to have to think or we don't want to have to make decisions because what if I fail? What if, you know, someone judges me? Whatever the reasons are. There's all this judgment. But if you don't make decisions, and I'm speaking to all the men that listen to this podcast, if you don't make decisions, you're never going to make progress. Hey guys, just before we get to Lockie Stewart and the chat on this episode of the podcast, please remember to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the podcast. If you enjoy this episode, make sure you go back and listen to the episode with Alan Steen Jr. It was out at the start of February. If you're an MMA fan, get prepared for a really exciting month. It is MMA March on the podcast. We are bringing you quite a lot of episodes from various MMA fighters from across the world. So that's something to really look forward to if you're an MMA fan. Now let's get the lucky shirt. Five, four, three, two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm joined by Lockie Stewart, all the way from beautiful Brisbane in Australia. Lockie is the founder of the Man Who Can Project. It is a project that empowers and encourages men. It teaches some core values based around muscle, momentum, meaning, and mateship. But without further ado, let's get Lockie. Lockie, welcome to the show. Let's tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Thanks, Darren. I really appreciate you uh, having me on. And it's been, as we were saying, sort of offline. It's exciting to see uh, all the content in the community that you're creating. It's uh, awesome to to watch and very inspiring. And also, thank you for getting my name uh, pronounced correctly. There's a lot of people who pronounce it Lachey or, or something like that. So it's always a, a good start. But yeah, as, as mentioned, I'm uh, situated over in Brisbane, Australia, and we've been uh, very lucky, especially over the last... Uh, 12 months. My brother's in uh, Toronto. I'm pre- I actually don't know where he lives in Canada, but he lives in Canada somewhere. And uh, I haven't always been based in Brisbane. I you know, played rugby in France. I uh, grew up in, in Toowoomba and then parents or family has a property. So was fortunate to experience all kinds of uh, lifestyles uh, up until that point. But, you know, I've moved, moved down here for my fiance and I've been, uh, been in Brisbane living the dream ever since. There's a little bit of overlap, you know, I'm living in Canada because of my wife. I'm originally from Belfast, Northern Ireland. You're in Brisbane because of your fiance. The things that men do for love, right? We're, we're great men. That's, <laughs> I, I think, you know, it's, I think it's supportive. And it, to be fair, I'm sure you probably feel the same way. I'm, I'm glad I did. Like it's it put me out of my comfort zone and it's, it's created a, a plenty of opportunities for myself in a different way of seeing, seeing life in the world. So it's been good. Yeah, 100%. I, I, I completely agree. I'm the same. You know, just the experience, a new culture, a new way of living, everything. And when you want to support someone, when you want to be part in that relationship, I think it's so key. But you've touched on two things already I want to talk about. One of them I didn't know. I want to talk about playing rugby in France. How was that for you? And secondly, relocation and how you felt relocating. Yeah, definitely. Mate, it was a dream. It was the, it was, I, I don't know whether it was the boyhood dream as such. I, I, all I knew from a young age was that I wanted to be a professional athlete. So coming up, um, you know, I was a national level runner, a 400 meter and 800 meter runner. 
Uh, but obviously I went to a, you know, I was fortunate enough to go to a, a rugby union school and, you know, the peer pressure and all of that sort of stuff at that age led me to wanting to be good at rugby, even though I was, you know, a skinniest little kid you would have ever seen. Uh, but that was my, that was my goal. And that was my burning desire was to, I guess, prove myself in that. And, uh, yeah, fortunately, I, I, you know, got myself a, a gig over in France, which was uh, awesome. And, you know, to be fair, the reason why I chose France was I needed to get away from a relationship breakdown and I was lost and I was unhappy and I just wanted another shot to try and make something of myself. And uh, when I got over to France, uh, it you know, obviously looked cool on Instagram and it from, from the outside looking in, it looked like I was living the dream, but I was still that same self-conscious directionless boy that I was when I left, left Toowoomba. So uh, I wasn't necessarily doing it to, to play pro play semi-pro or anything like that. It was more of an escape thing. It was just, you know, so it happened that uh, I was good at sport. So that, that lifestyle was uh, definitely brilliant. Looking back, I uh, definitely didn't make the most of what it could have been. You know, I spent my time training and then I would sit in my room all day watching YouTube, just wishing I was back in Australia uh, rather than, you know, I guess, getting into the culture, learning French, experiencing the towns that I was in, making making an effort really. So uh, I think as a young 21, I think it was 2021 back then, I missed out on a lot of opportunities, but I'm definitely grateful that I did it because it made me realize from a young age, you can't escape the, I guess, the internal demons that you got. They go everywhere with you. So eventually you've got to uh, d- deal with them. Yeah, 100%. And something you spoke about, the internal demons, you were in France, you were doing your thing, athletics, rugby, whatever it may be, but you were fighting those internal demons throughout that period and now sitting where you are now. And we'll we'll start to touch on the Man Who Can project shortly, but how much of that from you now looking back was a learning experience and how much did you benefit from looking back to where you were and wanting to make changes and wanting to live a different type of life maybe maybe you came back more purposeful through your experience i I wish i could say i came back to to toowoomba more purposeful i came back and ripped myself off with drugs and alcohol and violence for a good eight months until i sort of had a had a good wake-up call there which made me realize that i wanted to be better and i started you know, I guess asking myself more questions, you know, I had this burning desire and a lot of people in my life believed in me uh, from, from a young age that I would attest to something and the way that I was acting and behaving was not, not aligned with that kind of person. And fortunately for me, um, you know, I look at the experiences that I had, you know, being, and I guess this ties into relocating, whether it was to Brisbane or to France or to wherever, it put me out of my comfort zone and really uh, challenged me to work out who I was as an individual and who I actually wanted to be. And it also really highlighted, I guess, a lot of things, as I sort of touched on before, that I needed to improve upon as a man. And if I hadn't, I've taken those opportunities or um relocated i may have never had to deal with that you know i see see um men who don't ever look to improve their communication they don't ever start asking themselves questions or dealing with um stuff from the past and not saying that everyone has to, or maybe most people do but they've been putting in a put in a foreign country i had to learn french before i went over there but i was so self-conscious even going to the shop to order food I was like, what if they realize that I can't speak French? I mean, of course a fucking Australian can't speak French. Like majority of Australians don't know French. But I, I was just like, what if I'm not good enough? What if they, 
see that I'm not French. So I realized that I had a lot of limiting beliefs and I also had this belief that I had to be perfect. So coming back, it really helped me let go of the idea of being perfect, right? It let go of, uh, let go of the idea of, I guess, essentially getting ready to get ready. I was ready to just go, you know, I'm prepared to fail. I'm prepared to allow people to see me for me and where I'm actually at at light rather life, sorry, rather than putting on a facade and making people think that I've got it all together. Because once again, when I was winning, uh, you know, the state titles and doing all these awesome things, I was still, I still had limiting beliefs much like everyone else, but it just looked like I didn't. So I started sharing all of those things and I realized that, um, you know, everyone, regardless of who you are, like, you know, I was fortunate to meet top level athletes and everyone had their own, own stuff. Um, but, you know, looking at the, the lessons that I, I learned from that thing, it made me realize that I was in control of everything that I uh, was getting in my life and also everything that I was going to, you know, uh, had. So it, it yeah, really highlighted some stuff. And I believe it made me the man that I am today. It, it made me uh, empowered. It made me realize that I've got all the answers that I need within and, you know, hard work will pay off. Talk to me about that transition because you went through a lot of stuff coming back from France. You went through a lot of stuff after that, you know, drinking, drugs, violence, you said it right. And from there, you then realized that you need to change things in your life. And you were then open to accepting failure. You were then open to improvement. How, how did that journey lead to, you finding the man who can project. And for my listeners who are majority male as well, considering I talk mostly about football or soccer and MMA, what is the man who can project and how did that transition from those hardships and that mental learning curve, even probably physical learning curve, if you're involved in violence end up to where you are now? Yeah, definitely. That's an awesome question. I think for myself, obviously, as I, as I said, um, I started asking myself more questions and I started questioning because the environment that I was in, in Toowoomba, everyone did the same thing. You know, we all, we all carried on the same way. I I cheated all the time. We'd get in punch-ups. I'd lie, I'd manipulate. And that was what I considered normal. And some people go, how the fuck is that normal? And I get that, but also it was, it was so normal. And I believe still that there's so many men out there that live in that kind of way of life. And I started getting connected with people from all around the world. And I go, well, you know, I had these beliefs that oh, wealthy people were this way. That person got a lucky break. This person only got there because they knew this person. And I was just bullshitting myself and I was playing the victim. And I, I realized that, you know, a good mate of mine who's actually from Bath gave me a book called The uh, Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And if, it was the first book I actually read that was outside of a magazine, really. And when I read that book, it taught me two things. One, that I could read a book, which was exciting for myself because I didn't ever consider myself someone who was, I guess, you know, a smart individual. I, wasn't, I didn't excel at school. And secondly, I learned so much in that book around um, being impeccable with your word. I knew I was a manipulator. I knew I was a liar. So that was hard to swallow, but it was also exciting because I thought, you know, if I've learned and taken away these things from this book, and, you know, it's only a small book, what else is out there for me to change? And maybe I can start changing the way I think about myself because I had this idea that, you know, I was just a guy who was going to be a failure and a, you know, a drop kick. That's what I started really believing about myself. So fortunately after that, I got, became really, really hungry to grow and, and to learn. And I was actually excited for the first time in my life about something other than sport. And, you know, I, I, I would share my bookcase over here, but I've read hundreds of books now and listened to hundreds of 
audios as well and podcasts and I'm continually asking questions and don't see anything as definite. And, you know, it's helped me improve my, the way, you know, I've got videos still of when I started uh, filming myself. Cause one thing that I always got told was that I mumbled and I was a really poor communicator. I had a guy pull me up at the pub once and I can't remember the specific question, but my answer was like, Oh, that's fucking fucked or something like that. And he's like, how about you tell me what you really mean? Why don't you learn to articulate yourself better? And, you know, that's going back a while and I was an angry young fellow and all I wanted to do was smack him in the face. But it also hit me hard enough to still think about that moment in time where I said, hey, maybe I should learn to uh, speak better. What can I, you know, how can I practice my communication? And that came to Instagram, right? 2014, If and for those who actually want to do it, I'm not saying do it, but if you scroll all the way back on my Instagram, you'll see me go from this guy and you'll see this journey start unfolding. And I'm sharing books. I'm sharing me trying to start a business. I'm sharing videos of myself about what I've learned from what I've read or from seminars that I've attended. And you'll see the progress of someone who just had so much self-hatred and no passion or purpose for life to someone who's now really certain and uh, confident in who they are, can articulate themselves. And once again, I'm not perfect at swear a lot still, and I can still improve, but I've improved a lot. And I, and from as a result of that, you know, people started reaching out to me on social media and, you know, people were obviously cheering me on and they're like, oh, I took away so much from that. I took away from this. Can you tell me more about that and more about this? And it was sort of like natural progression, I guess, how the Man That Can project then formed off the back of that because I never wanted to be a coach. I never wanted to have a men's performance coaching uh, business, but I was just still trying to figure out who I was. And I, I thought coaches were people who couldn't get a doing anything else that, that was my belief at that point in time uh so you know lo and behold it uh kept fast forwarding and then i was like maybe i will try coaching someone because i don't really know what else i want to do in my life so let's let's give that a crack and i built a framework based around uh what worked well for me and what i felt i needed uh, to help me go from where i was to where i wanted to be and uh, that began uh, become working really well, and I filled up, I guess, my sessions or however you want to look at that really quickly. And then I hired myself a mentor, and the the mentor, you know, sort of got me thinking like, what did I need when I was at my rock bottom, which was you know end of 2013? What did I really need? And for me at that point, that was a, a community of of men, right? That could. I could learn from, I could get real understandings and different perspectives and understand success from multiple areas of life, right? Not just financial. And once again, I didn't have many role models who actually were financially successful. So I wanted to create an environment that brought, you know, 18 year old guys who were like I was to um, CEOs, to law uh, lawyers, to professional athletes, all in one place where we could all just connect and share and, and grow together. And, you know, that's when we started men's circles and I was like, right. And my mentor said, well, do you have an idea if you want to actually be the face of it or do you want to you know, hide behind something? I was like, probably hide behind something is good. So then I was like, right, let's call it the Man That Can Project. And that's when the Man That Can Project was born. And I was in Europe actually as all this was happening and I did an Instagram video and I was like, right, guys, when I get back to Brisbane, we're starting men's circles. I had no idea what it was going to be like or how it was going to go or what the intention was, but I just wanted to get blokes in a room and yeah, we started with seven men in our first one and then it doubled and then we ended up maxing out at 30 per session. And I realized that was probably too big to have good conversations the way I wanted. So we cut cut it down and got to the point where 
had a raving community and I was just like, well, what's next? What's next? What's next? How can I add more value to these, these men? If I was back in this position, what did I need next? And that just sort of helped me go from uh, at that point uh, to running workshops to then obviously continuing the one-on-one coaching to where it is now, where we have an online community of men all around the world. Uh, and uh, it's all about performance coaching where our, or the goal, I keep saying now, the, the community's goal is to help men uh, understand and take ownership for their lives, learn to love themselves and recognize the value that they have to give to the world. And I think, you know, the community component helps us fast track that because rather than just hearing one person's perspective, we get 30 or a hundred blokes perspectives on something, which is, which is brilliant. Sorry for the long winded answer. I went off, went off then. <laughs> Not a problem at all. Um, I think it's fascinating to get the insight to the man that can project and exactly what goes on. A um, couple of questions for you based in and around that, you know, you mentioned earlier when you, you started to give your answer, you started recording yourself, putting videos out there, I don't know what it was like for you growing up, but for me growing up, you know, men were strong, men were leaders, men, you know, ran the household and all this sort of stuff. And you mentioned when you came back from France and when you were going through some stuff, you had to have conversations a bit with yourself or you, you had to sort of figure stuff out and you had to be open and be honest. And was that, is that difficult? Do you find that difficult with other, with other men? Is it difficult for you at the start, especially maybe so much now you've got to that point where you are just open. You don't care anymore because you're constantly looking to progress, but is that hard opening up and being vulnerable? It's the hardest thing you'll ever do. The hardest thing I ever did was learn to open up and be vulnerable because I didn't want to accept who I was. Like, you know, I'd done so many bad things and so many things that I didn't believe I was as an individual, you know, even hurting people's feelings, like cheating on partners and lying to their face and lying to mates, stealing, just doing all this stuff that I didn't believe I was. And I would do it and then deny it. And I would make things worse. So having to come to terms with that and go, you know what, I did do that. And I, you know, hurt people's feelings. And, you know, as much as I never wanted to justify my actions, hurt people, hurt people. And I, I've done so much self-reflection on that. And there's still stuff that I, I wish I'd never done, but I have. And that's why I'm so open and honest about it now, because I don't want other men to have to go through it. It's, you know, I don't believe us as individuals intentionally go out and do these things. It's generally because something's missing within us and we don't really know how to go out and express what we want, or we might not know what it is that we're trying to fulfill. We're empty. And I was empty. But the moment that I started started sharing this it was like this weight, you know and people say this all the time you the weight's being lifted off my shoulders and i started to accept it and i speak to men all the time they're like i don't know if i could do that like if you could just try with one thing then you deal with the next challenge which might be admitting something else that you you know you're not so proud of or you might be ashamed of or carrying guilt around but the only way to move through all of that is is sharing that and you know i had you know i grew up i guess similar to you where you had to be strong and you had to do all of that stuff. If I had a Facebook page made about me where the boys would just bag me out for, for saying all of these sort of stuff. And, you know, I became different. I, I was isolated. And, you know, when I moved to Brisbane, I cut off my whole environment because I needed to start fresh and I needed, I knew that I had a rubber arm, so to speak. I was, wasn't very strong in myself. So I was, you know, could have easily gone back to the same stuff that I was doing. Uh, but ultimately I knew that, 
in order to, for me to get to where I wanted to be. And, you know, I had a dream at that point because I was getting into a different industry that I wanted to um, be speaking on stages and I wanted to be successful. And I guess, you know, if you get all the skeletons out of the closet, nothing can come back and haunt you. Uh, you know, so I guess it's also a selfish sort of freeing thing that uh, we get to go through. It's, it's interesting, specifically vulnerability, because it's something I think naturally we want to shy away from especially perhaps the people that we don't know or don't know well. You know, mm. if, if you're having a men's camp or a men's circle and some guy really needs to open up, but he's six, seven guys around him that he doesn't know. I think a lot of this, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of the changes that comes in our lives when we start to maybe pursue better things in life comes from a mindset change and a strong 100%. mind. Talk to me about that. Tell me about the mind, your, your mindset, specifically the mindset that helps you in this project, but also the things and the principles and the characteristics that you teach and show the men on, on the project. Yeah, that's an awesome question. And we look at like a, a strong mindset and we need to, I guess, as individuals decide what that looks like for, for us as an individual, right? We can generalize everything and I'll, I'll go with the generalized approach here, but Take what you want to make it your own uh, for all of your listeners here. But when we look at a mindset, right, we break it down, right? We've obviously got the logical, uh, rational side of things, right? Which is um, from, a, from a sporting point of view, I knew that in order for me to become successful, I had to obviously play well. I had to train well. I had to cut alcohol out. I had to get in front of the selectors, but right? I had to do all these things. Logical, logically, that's what happens emotionally there's a whole heap of things that go into to counter that right like when i was uh growing up like and my social circle didn't necessarily have the same goals as me so logically i'm going right oh, i need to commit to this i need to go to the gym in the morning i need to go go to kicking practice in the afternoon i need to eat well i need to sleep well emotionally i'm like but i want to hang out with the boys or i want to go drink beers with the boys or i want to chase a lady you know, uh, to get a girlfriend or whatever it is. So we're constantly jog- juggling the the logical and the rational component and the emotional component, uh, component. And what we actually need to do is learn to marry them together. That's what, how we create wisdom, right? We can we can make informed decisions using the logic and the emotion to to create the outcome that we want. And a lot of us as as men, myself included, still struggle with this, right? Emotionally, once. Again, you see football players and especially we'll use Australia as an example. Once again, everyone, any industry, there's this happens, but I'll use football because it's always in the headlines. Uh, rugby league, sorry for, for the English people that listen in I don't, Canada. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they're in the headlines, right? And, you know, you get these young people who are successful. They get a good contract, good salary at a young age. And then out of the woodworks might come the fame. So then you've got girls throwing out your light left, right and center. You've got opportunities and you get a big head and you almost feel like you're invincible. And men generally feel invincible till, you know, probably mid twenties, late twenties. Anyway, we feel like we can do anything until we realize mortality is a, is a thing because we don't ever learn, you know, at school, I don't know what it's like over there or in Belfast, but we don't get taught to understand our emotions, right? We, we never deal with it right as men we got to suck it up and get on with it we don't get taught that you can feel excited you can feel sad you can feel um anxious or fear it's like you're either happy or you fucking get on with it like whatever it is but life is the accumulation of all of that 
And the, the moment that we go, okay, well, that's, that's a, being a man, like to understand that I can acknowledge that I have different emotions. Now let's get, uh, become comfortable with understanding what those emotions are. So we look at like how we perceive our emotions, right? Uh, you know, in day to day life, what do we perceive anger to be? What do we perceive sadness or fear, you know, because our perception can really uh, control how we utilize them, right? And then we look at how do we use our emotions? Some people will sit in, once again, I'll speak from experience. I used to, when I got depressed, I would sit in a slump for days. I didn't know how to use that, that emotion. And some people um, use excitement to their, to their advantage, right? They're, they're constantly happy that those people who are jumping around the room. Uh, and once we can obviously start learning how we utilize, uh, use those uh, emotions, we can then obviously move into understanding them and managing them, right? Like what routine, and you know, asked about this before, what strategies or tools do you need to put in place to support that strong mindset or to support that mood that you need or you need to have, you know, for me still to this day with business, you know, I do a lot of um, sales calls and cold calling and stuff like that because my goal is to brand awareness and to have as many people as possible know about the Man That Can project, right? And I don't like doing that. It's not fun. It's scary. So every time before I get on the, the phone, I'll picture myself I, when I was playing center, picture myself center and all I ever wanted to do was embarrass a bastard across the road uh, across the pitch from me so I get back to that state where I'm like right I, and this is me starting to manage my emotions to get into a confident certain state where I know that I'm going to pick up the phone I'm going to change someone's life and so we look at the emotion then logically I've married that together to go right to achieve that goal this is what it looks like and this is what a strong mindset for me looks like and as us as individuals I guess to summarize as men, what is going to help you get a strong mindset? For me, good sleep, right? Good nutrition, hydration, exercise is really important for me and uh, consuming positive content. Okay, I'm constantly listening to audio books or audible or I'm surrounding myself around uh, like-minded, growth-minded people and I'm always reading. I need those things in my life to, to perform at my best, right? That helps me have a strong mindset. I put myself in situations, generally fitness, I could do CrossFit and all that sort of stuff where I absolutely belt myself, but I do it for the mental aspect to go, right, are you going to quit or are you going to keep going? I keep testing that because that's when the emotions go, don't go on, Lockie, just stop, right? You've earned, you've earned a rest now. You've, you're good to go. So we need to start using tools to understand our emotions more. We need to start um, planning more with the logical component and marry them together to have that ultimate strong mindset for the goals that we've got in life, right? If you don't have goals you know and everyone's different but if you get certain around uh what you want to create for yourself you can then start going okay well i believe that this is going to help me show up how i need to show up every day and these are the things that are going to support that really really interesting really fascinating how you're able to merge those and a lot of it maybe comes down to knowing yourself and i think that's part of the process too is figuring out how you work um how you as an individual work and how maybe as a collective people work at the same time. A um, bit of a double barrel question here for you. With you, you said growing up, you were quite selfish early on, but now yeah. in the role that you're in, you must have found an affinity to love people and to love being around men and to being a love being around like-minded men in terms of the goals you wish to achieve. And how different is that compared to the Lockie Stewart at 21 or the lucky shirt that went to France and came home? Yeah. I've never been asked a question like that. I think 
to be honest, to a degree, I still feel like I'm selfish uh, in the in the fact that I will always put myself first. Like if my cup's not full, I can't give to other people. I do everything that I do on a daily basis from waking up to my, having my morning routine, looking after my health, reading my book so that I can give to other people. If that doesn't get done, I struggle. I also am very selective with who I spend time around. So I'm selfish in that fact. I'll say no to a lot of things um, for selfish, selfish reasons. And I may miss out on experiences that I would love to have, but I, I always believe that I have to be happy myself uh, first in order to achieve that. But I guess the selfishness there is coming from the place that I know that if I look after myself, I can give more to other people as opposed to back in the day, all I ever wanted was just to feel how I feel now, which was to feel valued, to feel, I guess, whole or you know happy and like I've got something to give. That's all I ever wanted. And I think that's all most people want. But it's it's we don't know how to get that. And, you know, we can go looking for the next partner to get with or the next, you know, being the most drunk party animal or whatever, however people get it. We can get it in positive or, or uh, negative ways. But, you know, ultimately, if you don't start figuring finding it within yourself, it doesn't matter. So I think, you know, now that I've just shifted why it's important for me to be selfish. It, it allows me to give more and it allows me to um, be, you know, once again, the, a quote that changed my life six years ago was seek to understand before it being understood. I only ever spoke about, well, I didn't speak much at all, to be honest, but I never would ask questions. I would never be interested in other people. But now I'm fascinated by other people because I know that everyone's an expert in something that I'm not. And my goal, and the reason why I believe that I'm brilliant at building rapport and even at our men's groups, you know, you were saying before, it's a bit weird for men when they get in a room. We build rapport like that. Like we have men sharing shit that you were sitting in the room going, holy God, I, you know, I haven't even met you yet. And you're, you're talking about this because the ability to build rapport is make people feel visible, right? make people feel valued. And you can do that really quickly. I believe, I believe it's, you know, it's something that we can do really quickly. And um, I know that by filling up my own cup. So I don't feel like I need to feel heard from other people. I've heard myself and I've made myself feel visible that then I can put all my attention on other people. So I hope that answered your question. I've It does. Yeah. Like the, the point you made about, about making someone feel feeling visible and valued. I think that's so key because especially now in the modern era or the modern age, let's put it that way, where people are on social media and everyone's looking for followers and looking for likes and looking for stuff like that. And we almost validate our lives a little bit through what's on our phone, our phone screen and what people are saying, what people are liking. And the question I have for you is what differences do you see in men once they've maybe once those walls have been broken down a little bit? It's almost like a new lease on life. Like we look at, um, in Australia, we have things, midlife crisis, as I'm assuming you've probably got the same thing over there when men get to like that 40, 45 year old and they have their midlife crisis. And I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that as men, we believe or we've adopted the belief that, you know, we have to be the protector and the provider and everything else goes to the wayside. Our, our mateships fall apart. Our physical health falls apart. Our mental and emotional health never really gets developed. So it falls behind now, everything else is on the wayside. And we get to this point where you may have kids or you just wake up one day and go, what the fuck's the meaning of all of this? Yeah, I've got the career that I thought I once wanted, but realized maybe it's not what I want. I've got the money, but I need meaning. I really, really 
need to feel valued and, and wanted and significant. Like that's what, as human beings, we want that love connection and significance. So once, you know, and the reason why, like, I love the fact that we've got blokes who are 18 doing this stuff, like at 18, I was not even in my realm of thought. So we get to see men from all walks of life doing this sort of stuff and it makes them better dads. It makes them better partners, individuals, employees, employers, because they know that they've got something to give. They recognize their value and they understand that they don't need to be validated by anyone else. That's a bonus. They have created a life for themselves. They have, uh, I guess, structures and routines and rituals put in place where they, they, I guess, almost believe that they're their own king, right? They believe they are the most important person in their world, which we all are. And the fact that you treat yourself like a king or you treat yourself like the most important person, of course, you're going to feel fucking good, right? You're going to eat better, sleep better, um, have better conversations, better relationships. And then the only thing that happens off the back of that is a positive ripple effect where your energy is on fire. People want to be around you. People want to know what the secret source is. But all you've done is answered questions for yourself, right? Like a lot of men that I speak to, so not, not generalizing here, but say, I don't know. If I ask a question, most of the time they go, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, when was the last time you were happy? I don't know. Stop fucking saying that. That's a lazy man's option. We don't want to have to think or we don't want to have to make decisions because what if I fail? What if um, you know, someone judges me? Whatever the reasons are. There's all this judgment. But if you don't make decisions, and I'm speaking to all the men that listen to this podcast, if you don't make decisions, you're never going to make progress because the moment that you make a decision, you've given yourself purpose, right? You've given yourself meaning. It might mean right, today, and I was once again, when I was struggling with depression, there was days where I was like, I don't want to get out of bed. But the decision I've made today is get my fucking ass out of bed, even if it takes me eight hours. My one goal, my meaning, and my purpose today is to get out of bed. Whatever happens next is a bonus. You get to the point where life obviously progresses. And, you know, I've got, I've made a decision around what my purpose is right now. People go, I hope I find it. Just decide what it is. You'll get feedback. You'll find out if it really is or not, or it'll continue, continue to evolve, which it should, because as you grow, as an individual, new people come into your life, your priority is going to change, your purpose is going to change, the meaning that you give to yourself changes. So I, to, to, to tie that up, what I see for most men once they start putting the work in is they find a new, they find their purpose, they find meaning and they find direct or they create direction for their life. And it's hard to stop a man and not want to be around a man who is in that, that frame of mind. I think the key words there, and I love it, is purpose and direction. And meaning was another one you used. You've, I could list so many words that you've just described, and I think it's fantastic. Um, and I think it's so vitally important to men that we do have purpose, we do have meaning, and we do have direction, because there's nothing worse than aimlessly just kind of existing. And I think it's so, so vitally important. You mentioned when you were depressed and your goal for that day was just to get out of bed. You talked earlier in the podcast that fitness is big for you. You like to read every day, you fill your own cup and then you go out and that's when you're able to give to other people. How important is discipline in your life? It's the most important thing. The most important thing. 
If I don't have discipline, nothing else happens. If I don't have discipline, I don't complete the rituals that allow me to feel confident, allow me to feel empowered, allow me to make the progress that I want to make. It's right. It's, it's hard to get up at 4 a.m. to meditate and to read, right? It's hard. I don't enjoy doing it, but I enjoy the result of doing it. So for me, every night, no, I'm a, such a structured individual, but because I know I get distracted easy. The fact that we've got mobile phones now, the most distracting thing on the planet, plus everything else that goes on in our day, I treat myself like a baby. I'm like, right, I got a mobile phone, which has Instagram and everything else on it. And I love getting sucked into that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make it as simple as possible to remain focused by planning, by having intention behind everything that I do with my time. So if there's no intention that is going to improve my quality of life or improve my relationships or my business or whatever I'm working on, it doesn't get put in the calendar. It's not happening because I don't want to be going through the day doing things that I don't necessarily want to do. And the more decisions, sorry, the less decisions that I have to make, the easier it becomes. It's like a, uh, you know, if you've got a decision cup, I don't have a drink bottle here, but if you had a decision cup, and every time you made a decision, a little bit falls out, it falls out, falls out until the cup's empty. So utilize the decision cup for big decisions. So the fact that I know that I get up the same time every day, the fact that I know that I eat very similar every day, the fact that I dress very similar every day, the fact that I have a coach so I don't have to think about what I am doing for training minimizes the decisions that I have to make so that when it is challenging to get up in the morning. I go, this is the one thing that I have to do that's going to kickstart my day. This is the probably the biggest decision I have to make today. The next biggest decision is when I'm about to get on the phone or start work because that's hard. I could either pick up the phone or I don't have to. So save, I guess, that discipline for the moments that are really going to change your life or have a significant impact. And probably something that a lot of your listeners can listen to for those who are in a relationship. I uh, had a client actually put this in my head yesterday. A lot of us, when we're at work, or for those who are athletes, if your coach says do one more rep, or if your boss says, hey, can you stay back an hour later? Nine times out of 10, we're going to do that, right? We want to impress them. We might get overtime pay, or um, you know, it might get you into the starting team for, for whatever sport, right? So we're like, I'll do it. And I'm intentionally going to do it because that's why. What happens when we get home, right? For those who have a partner, or you might have children, or you have a dog at home, are so excited to see they haven't seen you all day. And you're about to be the best part of their day and you come home tired and pissed off. When you could take two perspectives here, you could go, all right, I'm tired and pissed off. I'm just going to sit on the couch. I don't want to have any conversation. I don't want to pat my dog. Don't really want to talk to the kids. I'm just going to do the bare minimum here. And you think about how that's going to turn out. Or you can go, fuck it. If this was footy training or if this was work, I'd put in that extra rep. I would put in that extra hour, which means I'm going to, give a hundred percent to my kids. I'm going to give a hundred percent to my dog. I'm going to give a hundred percent to my partner because that's what's required to make things thrive. It's not always easy. So when we, when we tie that in and, you know, a client was saying that, so I was like, that's the most brilliant thing I've ever heard because I'm so guilty of coming home after a big day and just going cook, whatever you want. I'll just sit on the couch and happens but it's like my part my fiance hasn't seen me all day i gotta show up and give my give that extra bit of energy because that's what makes the relationship worth it 100 100 you're completely spot on that is 
phenomenal advice, a phenomenal quote, a phenomenal way to look at something. And one of the key words that you use there, perspective. And I think perspective is so vitally important and it's so key to, to everything. And what I want to know from you, from, from your perspective in terms of motivation. So you fill your own cup with books, you fill your own cup with reading, with, with working out, etc. But in behind all that, what's the motivating factor for you? What is the why behind Lockie Stewart? Yeah. The why behind me is having a life where I can be present, right? And enjoy who I am as an individual. So I started a business one, because I love the fact that I don't want men to go through what I went through or what a lot of men are going through, right? Suicide is running right. And I want men to learn to love themselves, but I also wanted to do it in a way where me as an individual, I, when I have children, I want to be able to stay home for the first six months of you know that, that important time. I want to be actively involved as a, as a parent. I want to still be able to have time to hang out with my mates. So for me, it's choice. My biggest why in everything that I do is choice. And that comes through, you know, self-awareness, the choice to regulate and understand my emotions, what I'm experiencing, the, the choice to communicate how I really want to communicate, the choice through having the finances and the, the flexibility to live the lifestyle that I want. It's all, you know, everything that I'm doing comes back to, is this going to allow me freedom and flexibility mentally, emotionally, financially, spiritually? If it's not, it's not happening. So the, the biggest driver or the why behind everything that I do is is that. It, it is. It's, it's about having that choice to be able to live that fulfilled, meaningful, purposeful life that you've decided that you want to live. And I think it, whenever you're doing something you love, I think that also plays a massive part into it. And for, for you specifically, your project, Speaking with, the, speaking with the men, seeing those walls come down, seeing those guys find meaning and purpose and begin to understand that it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay not to have everything together. And it's okay to start building, adding building blocks to your life and going in a direction that, that they need to go in. How fulfilling is that for you? What, like, that, I'm assuming that from the outside, like I've coached yeah. football or soccer, and when someone scores a goal based on something you've told them to do, I feel like I've won. But from your <laughs> yeah. perspective, what's it like for you is when you see that in your side? Mate, it's you could probably relate it to, to the same way that you put with the football. It's like it's, it feels like you've achieved that as well, but there's nothing more satisfying because I know how much it meant to me when someone invested in me, you know, by either giving me a book or having a conversation with me, pulling me up when I was dropping my standards. Like at the time I may not have wanted to hear, but it's, it's given me the life that I've got now. It's helped me understand who I am. And the fact that I can see men doing that. And to me, that means that we're going to have better men in the community. We're going to have women that, or, or men that have strong partners. We're going to have children that have present connected dads. Like for me, that is the fucking greatest thing possible because not, not everyone gets that. I think about that all the time. It's like, I want to be the role model that my kids are proud of. Like that's, that's it. And I know that there's, and I look at my own life where I've failed through communication, through lying, through all, all of these various things. And I've gone, okay, well, I need to understand that. I need to acknowledge that. I need to work on improving that. And I'm fortunate to be in a position where I get to share that with people. And, and hopefully it flicks switches for them to go, I do that as well. Maybe I would like to 
learn how to communicate better or I would like to um, be around like-minded men who empower me or I would like to do date nights with my my wife or whatever it is you know so it's really important that and it's 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 the reason why I get up every day the reason why I get up at four o'clock it's the reason why I pick up the phone it's the reason why I continue to grow myself because I know that I'm motivated enough to pass that on to people and it's creating that ripple effect motivation I think is it's so underrated. I think a lot of people kind of just, you know, even on YouTube and stuff like that, little videos will flick up because of who I'm listening to being like yep. uh, Eric Thomas, motivational speech or whatever. And you kind of dismiss them all, whatever, but there's something about lighting a fire in someone that, that you see them just be invigorated and have that purpose and that desire. And from your perspective, being a coach i can i can see the passion i can see the fire from the way you speak the words that you're using every word you're using specifically when you're describing things i don't know if you notice it or not because you're just in engrossed and giving the answer but every word is purposeful you know you've talked about purpose you've talked about meaning you've talked about desire you've talked about discipline you've talked about motivation from my perspective as a man it's something that engages me it's something that catches my attention. It's something that makes me want to grow and develop and learn. And I think when you get into that state and that state mentally, you're onto the winning track. You're onto the winning ways to get somewhere in life. And specifically for guys, because this is a global project, make no mistake about it. Lockie's based in Brisbane. This is an online project and it's based around the world. What can guys, if people are listening to this show and be like, I want to connect with him, what can they expect when they decide to connect with the man who can project, you know, they can feel like, like I sort of said before, they can feel visible. They can feel empowered and they can feel like they get direction for their life. Right. Like a lot of us don't know where to start or what to do next. And we give you all of that. Like I personally still call every single one that's a part of every member. And there's hundreds of people because I'm invested in the outcome. Like I, I fucking love the outcome. And I'm also brutally honest with people if I don't feel like they're the right fit because not everyone is the right fit. There's some people who may listen to even this podcast now, Darren, and think that I'm a, not the right person for them. That's completely okay. But what I'm looking to and still a very big pillar of it is I want like-minded men around me who have very similar values, are empowering, are happy to talk about stuff when they're struggling and will share when they're learning, share stuff that's working really well for them. So we can help you create momentum in your life by giving you the direction, giving you the tools and strategies to take your life to that next level. That's what we're doing. I'm not giving people the answers because the only person who can get the answers is you as an individual. We'll just help guide you there. I think engagement's key. And part of what you do, there's the Facebook group. It's very active. It's, I love seeing the answers on it. And it sounds a bit strange. You know, we talk about stuff all the time about people being creeps on social media. I, when I'm in <laughs> yeah. that group, it's funny. Like, it's really, really interesting. So I'm going to sound a bit silly here, but sometimes I see a post that you've put up and I'll just click and read the answers and be like, that's cool. That's class. That inspires me. That motivates me. And I think, again, I'm looking at it from the outside. You're obviously there. You're in, in control of everything that's sort of going on. But the engagement side, is is brilliant to see is that something you encourage in in your groups men talking to each other connecting engaging like you've talked about mateship several times yep yeah so our four pillars are muscle momentum meaning and mateship and the reason why i encourage 
uh, collab collaboration essentially and, and engagement is because I don't have all the answers. I don't sit up in this group as if I'm the fucking guru because I know I'm not. I've got flaws just like everyone else, but I'm open about, you know, I love having discussions with people who have different perspectives, right? We've got what, close to 800 people in the group now in the community. And there's 800 different experiences of life, 800 different perspectives in which you could see a single question. And the more that the men engage, it, in, it encourages and empowers uh, pr productive conversation, right? I'm not telling everyone to agree on the same thing. That's not what we're looking for. It's going back to that quote is to seek to understand because if we can seek to understand, you know, that's going to improve everything in your life. It might improve um, your relationships with work colleagues. It may improve relationships with your, your children, your, your partner, with whoever it is, because you can go, all right, if, if I had walked a mile in your shoes, I'd get that. But it also helps us go, well, one, I don't know all the answers. And by having this conversation with you, two things are going to happen. You're going to change my mind and maybe I'm going to learn something, which is an absolute win. Or two, you're going to solidify my belief as to what I currently believe is true. And the only way we get that is through conversation. But too many people in the outside world, and use social media once again, because obviously this is a Facebook group, people don't look for constructive conversation or pro proactive conversation. They just look to fucking get their point across. That's it. It's arguing time. Let's go. But because the men in this community are, are self-aware enough to the point or we you know, moderate it to if there's any crap going on, like it's gone, that we want to we want to help you learn and grow through conversation, and that one improves communication. Two, it improves mateship. Three, it improves perspective, and that's why engagement is is so high. I believe, and and it's exciting to read because sometimes I don't even get involved in the conversations, and like you said, I go back and stalk at the end of the night, and there's some awesome threads there where I learn, and it's awesome. Yeah, hundred percent. And even me with this podcast, and. I've started to try and create some more stuff and that the area that I'm struggling with is engagement. I'm getting likes, I'm getting listens. I've created a private Facebook group trying to get engagement and I'm struggling with engagement. And it's the type of thing that drives you nuts because you're like, well, what do I do? What do I ask? What questions do I do? What am I trying to do? And it's, it's, it's a difficult process, but from your perspective, looking at your group and looking at the guys entering that conversation, it must be fulfilling. It definitely is. And I guess some advice for you and something that I still do every day. I personally, like once again, the reason why I personally reach out to people is I want to find out what's motivating them, where they're stuck and what they're looking to improve upon. But I also continue to highlight them what they've got in front of them, right? And let's use a community once again for an example, because there's people in that group, right? Let's say 800 people who are successful or masters in something that you're not. So the fact that you're wasting that, and take it back to why I started the Man That Can Project. I wanted a group of people that I could learn from, that had different perspectives, were successful in various things, that I could um, learn the physiology behind how they achieved that, learn what they wouldn't do again, learn what helped them become successful, learn what they read, right? learn the, the routines and rituals that they had. I wanted that, and people have that in front of them, and people would have that in your podcast community too, Darren. So being able to highlight to them and say, hey, you know what? There's, you have this platform there that I've created for you, right? You're a huge part of it and it wouldn't exist without you. So I need you here. I need you to share your wisdom because you're, you've got brilliance and knowledge and value to add as well. And I would love to learn from you. 
And so by then seeing people post, because, you know, people are worried, what if I word it wrong or what if no one comments or, you know, there's a whole heap of stuff that goes with that. But if you're doing that enough, like, and you think about the foundational members that are a part of it, they're, they're crucial in the success of your community. So do what, you know, I believe I do whatever it takes. I'll go above and beyond to make them feel valued, visible and comfortable to get involved in conversation. And I think that's what's really helped our, our community grow because there's men from once again, all around the world who are like, hell yeah, I do have value to offer. And I, I do feel comfortable engaging in discussion because I know it's not personal. It's, it's all proactive and we're trying to get to a greater understanding here. Fantastic advice. Advice that I will be taking on board and thank you. Thank you for that. Um, I'll be sure to check in and let you know how things are going in maybe a couple of months time. We'll give it some time, but thank you so much for, for, for giving me that, that free advice. Many people would charge for that. So thank you so much. Um, just while I've got you here and um, this one hour that we've booked has literally flown by. I like it, it's, it's, it's incredible. And I've, I've really enjoyed this and I know my listeners are going to enjoy, will enjoy listening to this. I hope you have too. And just for our listeners, where can they connect with you on social media? Awesome. And I, I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to, to talk. Um, so uh, I really appreciate it. And I love everything that you're doing. And I look forward to seeing your continued success. And you've created a great platform for people like myself and athletes to, to share more of, of their lives as well. So that's awesome. Uh, to connect with the man at Cam Project, I'm most active on uh, uh, Facebook, not Facebook, Instagram. So the man that can project or Lachlan Stewart is generally, uh, we have a website, the man that can project.com. And then obviously the Facebook community, the man that can project.com. So make sure it's the group, not the page. And that's where you can, you know, all blokes are welcome to join from all around the world. And I look forward to connecting with everyone. Guys, I can't reiterate enough how vitally important and fun and engaging it would be for you to join that Facebook group. It's it's really, really encouraging. And when you get to the age of where Facebook is now, when timelines are just filled with videos and nonsense, I'm clicking the groups icon now and just going into the groups now. And I think that's where it's at with Facebook. And guys, if you're out there, look up the man that can project, find the group, join, get involved, get chatting, reach out to Lockie. He's on Instagram, as he said. This has been awesome. He also has a podcast, by the way. It's on Spotify. He released a new episode today. It is January 21st as we record. I listened to his episode today. It was short. It was sweet. But it was filled with little with little <laughs> golden you. nuggets. But guys, I'm Darren Potts. This has been the podcast. This has been Lachlan Stewart. It's been really, really fun. Lachlan, thank you once again for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thanks, guys, for listening to the show. That was Lockie Stewart, the founder of the Man Who Can Project. Remember at the man who can project on instagram and facebook check out the podcast facebook instagram and twitter at the podcast i appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to the show today really hope you enjoyed it drop us a message on any form of social media we'll be sure to get back to you thanks have a great weekend